Welcome to the Age of Audio. My name's Graham Brown from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. The Age of Audio is a series of conversations with thought leaders and changemakers in the world of audio. That's podcasts, radio, and social audio, converging with big data to create engaging and authentic content for a new generation of listeners. As I understand, Captivate's your main gig, right? You've gone from podcasting into software. What was the sort of journey like for you? Because I understand you started as an agency and then now you're an app developer in theory. Not an easy switch. Tell us a little bit about that first. Well, it was actually quite a straightforward one for us, weirdly, because we were all, all, all the content that I've produced, you know, outside of the podcast industry content that I'm, that I'm sort of a bit more known for now and over the last four or five years, all the content I've produced was just because I wanted to produce it. You know, I, I just enjoyed it. And so podcasting was a medium for me that I was producing content within whilst I was running the agency. But the agency was sort of a very specifically set up agency. We were sort of a full service agency, but we had these different departments you know, we had a brand and, and graphics department and, and that was led by Kai. And, he, you know, we worked on some amazing brand products and some brand projects and just did some amazing stuff with some really big brands. Um, and we, we had a web arm, you know, we'd build whatever it was, you know, websites and, you know, everything from a two grand website, you know, right up to a 150 grand piece of kit for a, for a, again, for a, for a blue chip or for a, um, an organization that needed something like that. But I led up outside of those two arms, you know, we had the printing arm and the photography business and, you know, we had all, it was a true full service thing. Um, and I led up two elements of the business, which, which became something very specific. So I led up the digital marketing side of things and also led up the product development arm, where we'd build products for external companies. Um, so like building software and, you know, marketing that software and making it sell is not really anything new. It's, it's sort of one of those things that we're just doing for other people. And then in, towards the later years of the agency, before I sort of decided that, that I wasn't too interested in a client services model anymore, we, we were, you know, building a product division and, and podcasting products were a large part of that. You know, this is before anyone was really making podcasting products. You know, there was a couple of the incumbent hosting platforms, but nothing else. You know, I, I remember when Clamour, was a startup mm. and then Clamour's been and gone. You know, I remember when all of these things what sort happened of- happened to that? That was a blast from the past. That was the bookmark, yeah, wasn't it? It was great. Yeah, Pav is. Yeah. And the team were brilliant. We, we actually we actually got involved in potentially taking that over, but it wasn't the right fit. And it, it was one of those things that was just ahead of its time. You know, the yeah. tech stack was it was decent, but the audience wasn't there. And actually that, that sort of leads me to where we are today. It's actually quite a nice segue in because mm. a lot of what I did, like my first ever idea in podcasting is now an idea that we've just got in alpha six years later, seven years later, which is the interaction tech. The industry wasn't ready for it. You know, it's like George Lucas doing the prequels. The, the CGI just about caught up. Still looks a bit sketchy now, but it just about caught up. So that it, the industry was bizarre on that. So, so to, to get into podcasting, for, for me, it was really a case of, wait a second, we've got all the skills we need to build anything that we want to build. So whilst we're creating this content, why don't we just build some tools to help ourselves out? You know, and that, mm. you know, we, we bridged into the industry by, by making a so a sort of a, a managed WordPress platform that was sort of a, a bridging product, which we still run today, um, podcast websites. It's the, it's the biggest and the, the original WordPress management service for podcasters. And then we sort of extended and took a little bit of time thinking about the industry and getting to know everyone and, 
you know, then we came out with some other SaaS products, some software as a service products. So yeah, that, that's that's the journey in a nutshell, dude. It's um, mm. it's perhaps not as big a jump as it sounds from an agency because my role was the product dev side. Mm. When you were building out that SaaS products, all those SaaS products in the early days, tell me about some of the ones that didn't make it. I'm always interested in the ideas that you had that maybe were too ahead of their time or just were just not very good. Because I, my disclaimer is I've made loads of those things that failed, right? And I, I know when you're yeah. building out sort of validating products, it's like one in 10, like, you know, when you're rapidly validating, the, the survival rate's quite low. Well, what was it like for you? Did you have a lot of products or was it just like, we're going to build this one and that's going to be it? Well, every one of them survived. That's the, that's the, the, the interesting thing that you get from intuition. The original product podcast websites, like we partnered with John and mm. Kate at EO Fire for that one, that we didn't have an audience in podcasting back then. So I remember ringing John up and just saying to him, look, dude, you know, we can fulfill this. Do you want to market a little bit of it to your audience? He was like, yeah, go on, we'll kick the tires on it. And we, we had a few, tire, a few, few kind of tire kicks at that. And it, it worked, you know, from day one, it was making money. And then so was Captivate. But we really put the time in to mm. build intuition, you know, at this point. Now, as, as we're talking today, I produce, what, 13, 1,400 episodes of podcasts. You know, I've worked with th tens of thousands of podcasters. But in particular, the big thing was you know, pre-COVID and, and, and obviously post-COVID as well, the sheer amount of FaceTime with podcasters. Like I've spent and invested so much time and my own money in traveling the world to meet people. Like it's rare that I don't know someone mm. in podcasting. Um you know, I'm talking 2013, 2014, when podcast movement was like 500 people or 200 people or something daft. You know, I was speaking at those events and I was, you know, I was spending the time up at 2 a.m. and, you know, looking like crap jet lagged and doing the time in, in getting to know everyone. So now, obviously, everyone's getting into the space. And like someone called me an OG the other day. I was like, get lost. But then the more I think about it, I'm starting to feel you and might talk like, it. yeah. No, 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 no. My hair is grey, mate, but I don't want to own it. No, I'm only kidding. I probably will do. But it, what's weird is that I'm starting to find myself saying things that like Rob and Todd, you know, two, two, two good, highly respected guys in podcasting from Blueberry and Libsyn, hmm. you know, both friends and, and, and people Rob I've got to know over the years. Rob and Todd tonight. Yeah, yeah. They're both great guys. Like say hello yeah. to me. They're, they're, they're both just very, very nice good yeah. people that, that love the industry. But I'm starting to find myself saying stuff that they were saying like back in 2016. Right. You know, I'm st I catch that myself guy, saying he, stuff. He was like doing 15 years, right? 16 years with that mm, one product, yeah. right? I mean, Blueberry was like the OG hosting platform, I seem to remember anyway. That was like the first Well, they one. are the OGs. That's yeah. it. That's the thing, isn't it? They, they are the OGs. So when someone calls me, I'm like, no, give like, <laughs> give up. You know, these Next guys have gen. got a head start. But yeah, that's it, isn't it? But it's, I don't know, it's fascinating, man. It's, it's, it's certainly interesting to see, but yeah, no, I'm, you know, back to the point, you know, th these things, you know, they've, they've, they've done all right because we had the mm. intuition, you know, and we, mm. we were fortunate enough that, you know, there are only a couple of ways that you can get an edge in an industry and having a network and an intuition mm. are two of those very significant differentiators. Mm. We were very fortunate to have them both. Mm. What was the, what was the intuition, the pain point that you identified then that people had from your, you know, you were seeing in the conversations and what was that, that you said, right, we need to fix this specifically? Well, it's more a range of things. My brain sees patterns and things that other people's brains don't see, like strategically, that's how my brain works. It's not, that's not me blowing my own trumpet. That's just how my brain works. You know, I've got a lot of things that I'm crap at, but that's one thing that I'm all right at. And 
when I apply that with the team, you know, with Kieran and this fantastic team, like I am not the talent in the team. These guys are the talent, you know, the the, the, the people that do the work every single day to build the things that I say, wouldn't it be cool? Hmm. Um, you know, but what, I, what, what I'm able to do and what we were able to do and continue to be able to do is say, well, look, number one, we're producing podcasts every day. Anything that we think wouldn't it be nice is probably a great idea. So we can validate and we can go through that basic process. But really, it's sort of our position has been not accepting what has gone before. So that intuition has really relied upon taking something that has been a bit of a challenge, you know, whatever. It might be something like, you know, how the heck do you promote your podcast when you're talking about it on your own podcast? You know, a tiny example of this might be something like the single promotional link that we built into Captivate. It's just free for everyone, you know. Hmm. You don't need to pay for Podkite or anything like that. It's just you get a single promo link. and you know, rather than saying, go and listen in X, Y, Z in Apple or Spotify or whatever, you just go ahead and share this one link. Um, mm. And it's tiny things like that, that we got ahead of. And it was just frankly, because we saw it and we're like, well, why, why doesn't that exist? Mm. But the point is, if you do that 50 times, suddenly you've got a product that has, has got clear space between it and competitors. And everyone does that in their own way. You know, there's no bad podcast hosting platform out there. There isn't, you know, a lot mm. of other people will say, well, we're better than X, Y, Z. Like, I don't say that. We're not better. We're just, we think differently to others. Mm. And, you know, it, it's about finding the fit. So yeah, I think the intuition comes from two things. It comes from having produced that much of our own stuff, mm. but also having the kind of, balls in us to just say, well, screw that. Let's just build this solution. You know, mm. forget what everyone's saying. Let's just build it. Well, where did you come on the analytics side with the hosting platform? What is your take on that, that other people weren't doing right? Because whilst you say that everybody has their own take on it, let's face it, analytics for the longest time in podcasts has been pretty crap. You know, if you compare, I mean, yeah, fair enough. It's early days, but comparing it to what we have on the web, you know, even with like free tools like Google Analytics, it's we're nowhere near, are we? So what was your take on analytics for the average podcaster and what what are you doing and where do we need to go next with that? Well, I think there's two sides to that. I think side number one is that data is boring. It's what you do with the data that counts. And that's our approach we captivate is that our job is not to report data to you. Our job is to let you see the data, but to actually inform you about what to do with the data. So that's that's the captivate approach to it. You know, what can you do with this data that you have, whether it's downloads or some other metric in the future, mm. you know, that will always be our, our approach. But the second part of that puzzle is probably the bigger question. And the reason that podcast downloads and, and listens and streams and, you know, progressive downloads when you speak to Todd later, you know, everything is everything is very, very fragmented. And yeah, sure, there are standards. And yes, it's the early days but the problem is that unlike the web, we don't control every single piece of the puzzle. You know, we can't do it. It's impossible. We could we could write our own RSS feed and store our own files on S3, but Apple and Overcast and all these other, you know, Spotify, Google, they are the distribution channels mm. and they won't necessarily allow us to get the data that we want to get because everything's proprietary to them so that they can then do more with it in the future. Of course it is. You know, that's... They're data companies. Spotify is not a music company. It's a data company. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that because that's, it's the tried business model that works. You know, look mm. at Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, you know, any, any company that pulls information from users and delivers it back to a creator is a data company. So the problem is this 
number one, the fragmentation, but number two, the relevant, relatively closed, I don't want to say closed ecosystem because it's not quite a closed ecosystem. It's getting that way. It's starting to become more fragmented when it comes to being closed, but each sort of tentacle of the ecosystem. So overcast, you know, Marco has his way of doing it and he's got a market share, but regardless of what you think, he will do it his way. Is he beholden to users? Who cares? You know, he just does it his way. Spotify, they're one other tentacle. You know, they're another distribution outlet. They do it their way. So does Apple. You know, we've seen what's happened with Apple recently. They've, they've not really served podcasters very well in terms of customer service recently. And, you know, they're another tentacle. We can't control that. They, they, they do their thing. So that's the problem is that whilst we completely want podcasting to be an open ecosystem, mm. unless the consumption part of it is open as well, then we're at the behest of those people, uh, uh, the distribution partners, you know, mm. the consumer apps. We're at the behest of those when it comes to the analytics and tracking. So it's a, it's a very, very nuanced challenge. You know, we're talking, you know, with our, our interaction startup, we're working on permission-based interaction, marketing, mm. and engagement tools. We're an ad-served industry. We survive on ad revenue. That's not to say that we have to copy what every other ad-served platform has done or every other ad-based industry has done, you know, we can do something a little different. And I think when you add to the mix as well, this one final piece of the challenge is that unlike every, I can't think of another industry, okay, unlike every other industry, podcasting believes it's open, thrives on control. So Spotify will make more money than anyone because they control their ecosystem. They've got the Apple model, the old Apple model of controlling the entire supply chain, if you like. So we believe we're open. The success is coming through closed channels. And in order for revenue to flow, control needs to be implemented. So what I'm talking about there is that advertisers want to control that incoming revenue. You know, that's the key to big money is that they will only invest where they can see a return and where they can measure a return. But unlike every other industry, podcasting fights that because we built on RSS and it's open and it's fair and it's cute and it's cottagey and it's, it's lovely. You know, that's fine. And I, I believe in that. And, you know, when we, I was on Adam Curry's podcasting 2.0 show, you know, a while ago and we talked about it and that needs to exist. But the, the solution to how we hit both of those problems, keeping it open, keeping it fair, but bringing in the levels of revenue that we need to bring in without the level of control that those bits of revenue require that's the main problem. And that goes right back to the analytics. It goes right back to monetization. It goes right back mm. to distribution and leveraging, you know, the day-to-day -day person listening. Because the main kicker, you know, is that I almost said something then I'm not allowed to. <laughs> There's, there are other players that will get involved on this that have got far more control over an audience than we have. Mm. And that's when it becomes a very big data player. And that's when analytics become you know, potentially get taken out of the hands of the podcaster of the open industry. And, you know, I've, I've written about this a couple of times, you know, this big versus indie podcasting. I'm starting to see this fracture just widen, mm. you know, big podcasting, the Q codes, the wonder is they're doing amazing work, but they're creating amazing content with the pure intent of selling that IP for whatever movies, comic books, TV shows. There's not, and again, there's nothing wrong with that at all their requirements are different to the person that's recording 
and talking about their favorite boxers in their bedroom, you know? Mm. So it's, it's a hugely nuanced challenge. I know that's a big deep answer, but very, very nuanced, man. Mm. Yeah. And, and like you say, there are still players who are wait and see. I look at people at like Amazon as well and think that, you know, if you look at their recruitment at the moment in Asia, I mean, it's all done through Audible. So it's sort of done through this blanket of being an audiobook play. But they're recruiting podcast acquisition managers, effectively, you know, talent recruitment. And you look at those guys, is that, well, there's somebody else that will have a go at the data problem as well. You know, you can take Amazon, you can import that massive content base into podcasting. And obviously, they acquired Wondery, but they, you know, their podcast play is really nothing at the moment. And then you think about, well, here's the interesting fact, and I would like to see what you think about this, Mark, is that you talked about the data play, that there is a very interesting um, study coming out of, I think it's MIT, where one of the, uh, there's basically, they've been running this study. They have this device, right? It's called the EAR, it's E-A-R, right? And basically, they wear this device and it switches on randomly five times during the hour. It's not controlled. It's not um, pre-determined uh, the time that it comes on. And it records like 30 to 50 seconds of your speech and then turns off, right? And what happens, it's all uploaded. And then, you know, the, the clever researchers go to work on all that data from everybody in the study. And then they say, oh, what do people talk about? So what they want to do is like work out what are people talking about day to day, like normal people in their mundane conversations. And they say, there's a couple of interesting facts that came out of it. One was that people just talk about shit all the time. It's like, you know, mundane TV, food, weather, whatever. That's, we all know that. But the second point is that we actually talk as a species 40% of our waking lives, which is fascinating, right? Because if you think about that, that we're actually talking a hell of a lot more than we're on social media. Now think about what that means to Facebook and what that means to Spotify. Is until now, we never recorded those conversations, very rarely, I mean, occasional podcast, right? But now you have social audio, now you have this boom in podcasting. Now you have this opportunity for, to, in some way, like in a Black Mirror style episode, to collate all of human conversation and all the data points that go into that as well. So when we think about data, you think that actually, like you say, this may go beyond the control of individual podcasts. We'll open up a brave new world of where we could be going with this. What do you think about that? What do you think the sort of future is in terms of uh, podcasting and data? Well, I think that, that facet of it, you know, collating and curating everything is terrifying. You know, I think that's something that we should we should very carefully think about. I don't see it necessarily that's related to content as an entertainment form. I think that's more related to gathering behavioral insights, which then drive recommendations and psychoanalysis on what we really want to see when we want to see it. So that, you know, the very thing that these guys all want, which is more money, can be accessed more easily. This is really analysis on behavioral 
science, you know, it's, it's marketing underpinning the principles of the next generation of marketing, which is terrifying. You know, we're all using Twitter spaces and we're using Clubhouse and we're all using these sort of things. And, you know, we're not necessarily looking at the T's and C's or what's going on with that. We're all using the Amazon Echo. We're all using the, you know, the Google Home or Apple HomePod or less of us, less of us are using that one. But, you know, we're, we're all giving our data to these voice assistants and, and, and just, you know, being very willing to let them learn about us. And that's that's all it's for. Now, I'm not entirely sure that that maps to audio as content. I think hmm. I, I went to VoiceCon a bit ago and I'm, I'm for, we were fortunate enough to do a bit of work with VaynerMedia and just get to know Matt and Gary and the team when we were you know building productivity and Captivate out. And, you know, voice was one of those things that was at VoiceCon um, really broken down into two or three different facets. And it, it sort of, it kind of played in with my views on it, which are, you know, there's voice as a mechanism for interaction and control. There's voice as a mechanism for data gathering. But there's also the receipt of, the receipt of voice as, a, as an entertainment factor. You know, that, that doesn't change from, from the radio days. It's just we can get to it more now. So whilst I think it's fascinating, you know, I, I think podcasting is largely unrelated to that. Mm. But obviously, yes, the age of audio, it runs the gamut. You know, mm. that's just one facet of it. And I think it's... It's interesting because things like the ability to do sentiment analysis, hmm. you know, and tonal analysis, and you start to look at the way that people interpret things. Like there was someone on Twitter the other day, you know, they were kicking off about something and you just see it on Twitter and you think, what are you doing? And, you know, in real life, you know, you and me, we're just like, you know, we're having a beer, we'll be like, you idiot, you know, but if hmm. I write to you on Twitter, you are an idiot. You'd be hmm. like, who's this guy? You, you know what I mean? So there's the context, the bit of banter. And that's a very crass and simplistic example. It's very reductive of the problem. But, you know, when you can start to understand behavioral and tone of voice kind of inflections, and you can use that to interpret what to do next, you know, you, you overlay it with the machine learning and the, the, the AI kind of revolutions or the evolutions. And suddenly, suddenly preemption becomes easier. Suddenly the ability to predict becomes easier. Suddenly the ability to deliver things when you least expect them, but suddenly you know, when you most need them becomes much, much easier. Hmm. Um, now I think what's interesting with that, and you, you know, there are a few people like the Instramatic guys that are doing this to a small degree right now, but it's when I think, you know, the, the way that the, 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 the intersection of content audio is content and audio is interaction and or behavioral stuff. You know, that intersection is when you can potentially interact with your audio and you can start to say things back to your echo and say, actually, do you know what? I'm not that fussed about this advert for stamps.com in the episode mm. of law that I just listened to. All right. Tell me why, you know, X, Y, Z. All right. We'll tell you what we'll tell Aaron that that campaign didn't work and we'll dynamically insert something else for you, just for you, you know? So that, when you think further ahead, you know, behavioral implica implications, the AI, the machine learning implications that come with that, you know, that, ha that has got to have a huge impact on CPMs. You know, in our vernacular, you know, the CPMs and the, the dynamic ad campaigns that you might run and the ability to actually invest more money across a wider yet much more specifically targeted range of people based not on what we think they listen to, but how they've previously reacted to something on a speaker. Hmm. You know, so it, it's related, but I think it's, I think it's very, again, you know, back to this big versus indie podcasting, like the independent podcaster doesn't care about that sort of stuff because, you know, my knitting podcast, I ain't serving a stamps.com ad. 
you know, I'm not, my CPMs aren't, aren't high enough. My downloads aren't high enough. I'll probably, you know, I'll get mopped up amongst a, a bulk buy of 10 bucks CPMs and, you know, I'll get bundled in with the generic, you know, let's try podcast advertising for the first time type of advertiser. To me, the indie that's doing that, that kind of stuff doesn't matter, but to wonder it and to the Q codes of the world and the wider Spotify style audience, that suddenly becomes interesting. You know, and let's be honest, that's why they're closing the ecosystems down. That's why, mm. again, looking right back to the original chat, you know, open podcasting versus closed podcasting, the money is in closed podcasting right now, you know, and, and, and I'm saying that from a position of loving open podcasting, you know, that's where I want podcasting to remain, but I don't think on-demand entertainment audio will be bundled in to independent podcasting. I think it just happens to be called that now because it's just the name that we've all used for on-demand audio, you know? Mm. So it's, again, such a lot of nuance to that, but I think it's got these, these far-reaching implications, albeit right now, voice as a mechanism for behavioral interactivity is different to the delivery of voice as media. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it, I would agree with you. I feel that the, the, the voice part is, I mean, if you look at it, Generally, if you go back, even if you go back historically, content creation um, was an expensive business and therefore it required, you know, teams and it required, and it had barriers to entry. Even if you look at, for example, like getting on TV, which for my generation was like a big deal, right? Like you're on TV, it was like you've made it in life, even if it was once. And now like obviously everybody's on TV, like on YouTube and so on. So increasingly that sort of, that becomes less of a, a barrier to entry. And therefore, the kind of content people are producing, even if you look in this mid-ground, like the TikToks of the world, it's sort of half content production, half communication. So that's just sort of something that gets compressed over time, that effectively what's happening is that what was once sort of big production gigs and what was communication now just becomes merged in this mid-ground. Be interesting to see how that goes. But that's... That's another rabbit hole we can go down in the conversation. Tell me about <laughs> uh, tell me about the the interaction part with podcasts. It fascinates me that um, you know that how as an industry and people have complained about this for many years. You know, even clients like why can't we comment on Spotify? You know, why can't we do this? Why why is interaction so? Um, is it the closed garden model or is it something else? Why is it that you they they don't seem to be interested? in any manner in creating interaction on the platforms where you see this in, in other formats, like obviously YouTube and Facebook very much promoting it. What's the deal there? Why aren't these guys creating any kind of social interaction in the platform? Well, I think because it promotes knobheads, you know, if you think about it, it completely promotes idiots where, you know, you would, if you think about Spotify allowing any old person to just comment, like look at Star Wars fans. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but man, as a fandom, we really suck. Fair. You know, interaction and, and, and social interaction in particular online promotes idiocy. And you've only got to look at people like Aaron Mankey. You know, he's such a fair guy and he puts his heart and soul into law and he makes a living from it, which he should do. But he gets beaten by trolls so much. And he's one of the few people that really stands up to them and says, well, look, here's the deal. You know, this is the sitch. This is my show. You don't own it just because you listen to it. 
You know, he's very, very forthcoming with that. And Aaron, I'm sorry if that's paraphrasing, but go and check out his his, his Twitter feed. I think it's A Mankey on, on Twitter. And the point is that anytime you you add a layer of two-way social interaction, and mate, I get pitched social podcasting apps at least once a week. Hmm. You know, the new startup, the new startup, the new startup. And there's there's no point. And the reason for that is that who's going to moderate it? Who's going to stop me getting beat up for saying that R2-D2 is you know, a much more fun droid than C-3PO? Because someone in the world will take umbrage with that. It's a sad fact, and I will get beat up for it somewhere, somehow. So the sad fact is that humans generally, um, especially a certain type of person, are, are very bad at being nice. Hmm. And what gets the flack? You know, if you're building Spotify or Apple Podcasts, who gets the flack? It's not the trolls. Everyone knows they're idiots. It's the platform for allowing it. So there's no point. There's clearly no point building that. Hmm. Not at all. However, there is a point, and this is what we, we're sort of working on a little bit with this productivity interaction tech. You know, we're talking more about, you know, how do you capture permission-based interaction and engagement at the time that it's required in such a way that it requires just a tap or two. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. so I'm talking about giving you feedback on something, getting the thing that you've asked me to get or something that's interested me, you know, ensuring that I can get that particular thing, uh, you know, a range of different types of interactions, but on the, on the terms of the listener and the creator, you know, this is why I think podcasting is at a very interesting precipice. You know, we can either copy all of the advertising and interaction and engagement models that every other platform and every other industry has copied, or we can say, look, advertisers want our industry. We as creators and we as listeners should be able to do that on our terms. You know, we should be asking for permission for everything. We should be granting or declining permission for everything. And when the advertisers get the data that they want, not just impressions of a dynamically inserted ad, but when they get something warmer, it should be just that. It should be much warmer. So I think that's the, you know, that's the evolution. Again, that's something that we're, we're tinkering with productivity. And I'm, you know, there are other people tinkering with that as well. And it's just really, it's thinking differently about how we can approach that. But yeah, I think the, the answer with the social side of it is that humans are generally not very nice. You know, and, and, and those that... I'm talking about in particular those that believe that they own something because they understand how to access it and consume it. You know, we it's very unfair for for trolls to exist, and you see every level of creation. You know, from the indie creator right up to Star Wars. And the sad fact is, it's the platforms that get brought to trial for that because they've they've allowed it, and suddenly you know, suddenly you're not an audio business. Suddenly you're a firefighting trolls business. Um, it's tough, man. It's tough. And I think the last most obvious piece of this puzzle as well is that podcasting is largely passive. You know, it is largely passive. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be fired up my phone. Sure, I can pick up my phone to tap a button because you've, you've said something interesting. But I don't want to be head down commenting with you about, you know, this particular thing on Star Wars because, you know, you've heard it on a Star Wars podcast. Like, I'll do that later on Reddit or I'll do it somewhere else. You know, the podcasting medium is the thing mm. when I'm driving or running or walking or cleaning or whatever. So yeah, again, I think it's a bit of a multi-layered answer and a, a multi-layered viewpoint. Mm. I like the last one. Yeah. I mean, I think 
that's going to be it's it doesn't add any value from your perspective it sounds like it doesn't add any value by making it active it actually takes away whereas the default in social media is to add interactivity to everything right so the fact you add comment maybe even makes it worse for the user i, I just want to kind of zone out enjoy this conversation and in many ways like a lot of what people are finding in podcasts now is it's not social media I'm not looking at a screen. I'm not having to like, like something or comment on something, which is just becoming, there's a, there's a general fatigue, isn't there, that people are feeling at yeah. the moment. And it's really been exacerbated by or exaggerated by the last 18 months of what's happened. You know, people are probably a bit more frail now, probably like questioning, why the hell am I doing this thing? So <laughs> in terms of- People do know. get more picky to that point. So as you jump in, do people are more picky. And you know, that's my view on the social audio space as well, is that, you know, it's very easy for social audio to add pressure to a person mm. to be constantly on social audio. You know, I, I, I dipped into Clubhouse in the early days and I'm not that fussed about it. I love Twitter. Twitter's my medium. I really, really love Twitter. That's my place. So spaces to me is more interesting because it's already built into the platform mm. that I use. Have you started using it? Is it, I mean, I've seen, I don't know if it's actually out. I mean, I've seen the, announcing it, but I've never seen anybody using it yet. So it's up and running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done a few of them. Yeah, we did a session with Nath Garth, right? And uh, from um, you rate Port it? Lincoln, we did better than Clubhouse. Did, I don't like yeah, Clubhouse. Yeah, it's just, it, it's just I, useful because it's already uh, there for you. You know, we, we got. Um, Reddit's got one as well coming out as well. What do you think of that? I moved. think it's all the same. I mean, it's uh -huh. it, it's all good. You know, I mean, what was interesting for me on Twitter was, and I'll, I'll get to the Reddit question in a sec, but what was interesting on the Twitter one was that it's literally built into the social network that I love the most. Mm. So I may as well continue with that and, and, and dive into that. And I think, you know, again, you know, we got some people that came on and, you, you know, it, it was nice because I could talk to, in fact, Aaron came on, so I could talk to Aaron Mankey about the future of audio and Apple podcast subscriptions. Um, in a place that his audience could listen to it as well. So it was kind of nice for that, you know, because mm. that audience is pre-made. But I think, you know, the Reddit stuff, the Clubhouse stuff, I think certainly with Clubhouse, you know, I see this as being a bring it to market first, great idea, but I think it'll die a little bit of a death mm. as the other platforms build it. And for the very reason that I've just stated about Twitter and the two ways to kind of articulate that are, you know, perspective number one, oh crap, I've got to go build more clubhouse following. And I can't be bothered. You know, everyone's, you know, everyone's, mm. you see it all the time. Like, oh, come and join us. We're one of the biggest clubhouse clubs. Like, oh, well done. And I know for a fact, you're just going to use it to try and sell stuff. So, you know, see you later. I'm not interested. The other side of the coin is that Reddit, Facebook, Spotify, they're all coming out with these social audio things or they've all set their intent when it comes to them. And I don't necessarily think it's a, it's a, a race for dominance. I think it's more of a case of, look, you like it more on Reddit and I like it more on, on Facebook or Twitter. So Graham, you go and play in your Reddit sandbox and I'll go and play my Twitter mm -hmm. one and you know, whoever else go and play in the Facebook one. And you know, I, I don't necessarily see it being a, 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 a race to the bottom or a competitive mm -hmm. thing. It's I think hygiene, it's more just it? more than anything for these guys. Isn't yeah, it? They've got to have it's, it. It's, it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't win business, but it loses it if you don't have it. Maybe. Yeah, and, and and maybe maybe not even loses business. I think it's more just fragments attention. Mm. You know, I'll I'll never stop being on Twitter, and I'll never stop you know posting as much as I do. But what I might do is I might add another social network into mm. the mix if if they do one facet of it, of it better. 
You've been listening to The Age of Audio with me, Graham Brown, from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. To get access to all the audio conversations and book content for The Age of Audio, go to www.theageofaudio.com. One more time, theageofaudio.com.